0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this uh, welcome to rather—welcome to this Tuesday edition of Squawk Box. The Dow rising uh, to a fresh record high after Moderna claims its vaccine is 94% effective, sending shares in travel stocks sharply higher, while lockdown stocks like Netflix and Zoom trade lower. The president-elect Joe Biden issues a stark warning to the Trump administration, calling for the smooth transition of power in a bid to contain the virus and its impact across America.
1: More people may die
2: if we don't coordinate. A budget interrupted Hungary and Poland vetoed the European Union's Budget and Recovery Fund, blocking 1.8 trillion euros in funds due to a dispute over a clause. Spanish Bank's BBVA and Banco Sabadell confirm merger talks, a tie-up that would create Spain's second-largest lender with nearly 500 billion euros in assets.
1: And an uh, electric session for Tesla. Who writes this stuff? Anyway, the stock soars on news. The carmaker will be added to the S&P 500. Driving, get it, Tesla's market cap above $425 billion, just behind rivals Walmart and Visa.
0: So we often talk about how the markets can only focus on one big thought at a time. And at the moment, the thought is clearly what are the prospects for a significant breakthrough on the vaccine story? And you'll have watched all of that action yesterday in the markets unfold. Shares in Moderna specifically hitting a record high after that company became the latest U.S. drug maker to announce positive interim results from its COVID-19 vaccine trial The immunisation was found to be 94.5% effective and helped prevent severe cases of the disease. Now, the company is talking about shipping 20 million doses by the end of 2020 and as many as 1 billion globally next year. Shares in US peer Pfizer, which unveiled a major breakthrough for its vaccine last week, dropped on that news speaking to cnbc moderna's ceo Stefan Bansell, hailed the result but he said the complete rollout of the treatment will take time the reason that we are not able to make a billion dollars right away is this is our first commercial product and so we did not have like the older technologies manufacturing capacity already built we had to build everything this year the good news for a uh, next outbreak, because there's going to be more, uh, is that we will be ready with manufacturing capacity. And I also want to engage with governments to see how we can do more work to get prepared. Because I think if we had invested more collectively as a public private partnership before this virus appeared, I think we could have saved three to six months to getting this type of phase data.
1: Stephen Bancel there. Meanwhile, the president-elect Joe Biden warned that more people will die from the virus if there is no smooth transition of power in Washington. He also blamed President Trump for creating doubt about a potential vaccine.
0: I wouldn't hesitate to get the vaccine if, in fact, Dr. Dr. Fauci and these two organizations, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer, who have been extremely responsible, conclude that it is, uh, it is safe and, uh,
1: and, and able to be done. Look, the only reason people question the vaccine now is because of Donald Trump. Well, President Trump welcomed the results from Moderna, uh, saying the treatment will help end the pandemic. He uh, also claimed, as ever, that he should receive some credit for the breakthrough. Um, There you go, Jeffrey. down to Mr Trump, apparently.
0: Yeah, isn't that always the case? Uh, Mr Trump seems to always think uh, he should be in the story somehow. Well, elsewhere, the top White House adviser overseeing vaccine development told CNBC he hopes work will not be delayed by a transfer of power, he added the result from both Moderna and Pfizer are promising.
1: It is an extraordinary outcome, frankly, to have two different vaccines tested in different conditions by two different companies, uh, developed independently, yield very similar outcomes. This gives a huge confidence into the data obtained and really suggests that the 90 percent and more efficacy is, is true and real.
2: We saw the market reaction and it meant a record close for the Dow and the S&P so markets Firmly responding to the latest vaccine news. We saw a glimmer of it last Monday when we had the news around Pfizer and BioNTech. The market, uh, you may recall then, moved very swiftly back into these beaten up areas of the market, but then started to rotate back to technology after a couple of days of that heady action sold off. And then as we closed at the week, the market uh, brought back some of those uh, exposures. Now, as we've got more vaccine news, and this was the potential as we were waiting it out for them, the Moderna developments, they had been flagged to, to many investors and we were watching for the development very closely, the news did have that positive catalyst, very similar to the Pfizer-BioNTech news. And the, the numbers now we're looking at on the Dow we're just shy of the 30,000-point handle. We've escalated to these, these record levels. And on the S&P 500, as you can see, 3,626. The split now between the Dow versus technology names, and, and this is what we looked at last week, same time, same effect. And our performance now by the Dow because of that wading back into areas that are now playing catch-up areas that many investors were so cautious around because of the the complete switch in lifestyles that we've witnessed with these stay-at-home COVID trends. So let's take a look at the big ones. Uh, Boeing having a fairly significant impact for the Dow, having the most positive influence on that index. you can see the rally, 8.1%. And what we're talking about, long-term intentions uh, for ordering aircraft here from an airline sector that has been hard hit by COVID. United Airlines, American Airlines, a very strong gain in those two particular stocks. And if you look at the share prices this year, you can see just how beaten up those two companies are. Carnival in the shipping, cruise ship industry, 9.7% higher. So right across the charts, we saw this move back into stocks that investors have simply been avoiding so far this year. Netflix, Amazon, Zoom, uh, the COVID winners that stay at home with streaming, e-commerce and uh, remote uh, learning, uh, the, the conference calls we've been having as well in a work environment. These are uh, the performances that we saw across the board. Very mixed, as you can see. Amazon's still finding a little bit of green and upbeat market. And don't forget, of course, we're in a key holiday period now for spending at this stage. So Amazon's still keeping a little bit of green on the charts. But Netflix, that was a, a selling session for Netflix down uh, 17%, 1% coming off Zoom stock. U.S. futures, let's see how much of that's going to carry across to the session. And that's quite telling, isn't it? Uh, As we've seen that very uh, sharp move into the green, that markets at this stage look a little bit more cautious about reinforcing it with a second day of gains. And you may recall last week we did see more gains on the back of the the Pfizer-BioNTech news, but uh, the reaction this time around, it seems as if some of that optimism is just a little bit more cautious than, say, a week ago.
0: Uh, Let's spend a bit more time on the subject. Pfizer will begin a pilot programme for COVID-19 immunisation in four US states. Rhode Island, Texas, New Mexico and Tennessee have been selected as the present uh, unique challenges in population size, uh, diversity, healthcare infrastructures and a range of urban to rural sectors. Settings. The program comes off the back of some concerns from experts that Pfizer's vaccine will face distribution challenges due to specific storage requirements. we just a um, step aside from the Uh, vaccine per se. I mean, I'm no expert on um, the pharmacology of these vaccines. But what I do see is feverish speculation around the emergence of these vaccines. And at the moment, it's very interesting how the market is using this as an opportunity to trade the basket of uh, stay-at-home beneficiaries or value-slash-cyclical stocks. And you've got that counterpoint here. But I wonder when we get a more... Um, intelligent approach to this and a more uh, a focused, longer-term view of which companies will actually be primary beneficiaries here. And there is a um, there is a, at the moment a willingness to buy a, a broad range of healthcare stocks. And we could talk about Warren Buffett and the news that he's been dipping into the sector. But it does feel as though there is a winner-takes-all aspect to this whenever we get a little bit of breaking news. But there are a whole lot more than just these two companies that we focused on okay. who are in third-stage development trials at this point point. So we could see quite a lot of different companies bring a product to the market. I wonder if that that then uh, weakens the opportunity for many of them, but also results in perhaps just one maybe two, stepping forward as the key beneficiaries. Well, one
2: point on, on the vaccine, how you trade it. To me, if you looked at the investor community yesterday, they were chasing the vaccine news, they are chasing the development news, and Moderna having a, a higher effectiveness rate. That's what they've posted so far, just going with the numbers they've put out there. The market just sort of pivoted towards the Moderna drug. And you've got to wonder, at this stage, do consumers play a role down the track? And we've not been discussing that. We've been discussing who gets access to the vaccine first, what type of consumers, which markets. But what if the consumer uh, starts to digest the information? And we're on the front line as journalists, so we see a lot of the information. A lot of consumers haven't started reading into this yet. They might make a choice down the track about what type of vaccine they want, which will be quite interesting because they go out there and they say, well, which ones has the government ordered? Which one can I get access to? And does that skew the demand story for these vaccines down the track? Not the initial stage maybe, but eventually that might have some bearing on the performance of these vaccines as well. Something I don't think that you know can actually be considered and taken into account in the stock price just yet. When it comes to the airlines, for me that was the other interesting trade. We still don't know, I mean, is, is there gonna be more fiscal assistance, fiscal stimulus that puts money back into the pockets of these airlines in the United States at this point? What about travel? how many in the business community are going to take a vaccine and will they be allowed to travel? Or those spending budgets have they they've been compromised at least in the near term? So you know what should the share price action look like in these particular stocks, Steve?
1: Uh, well Cameron, first of all on the on the drug front, Karen, I think a lot of consumers, people I know if it's proven that it's got efficacy and it's proven that it is safe as well, and those are two key issues. I don't know anyone who who's in their right mind who won't go out and get it. I know there's the anti-vaxxer lunatics out there, but they are entitled to their view and they're entitled not to take the vaccine. I think the rest of us will just take the first safe one that's available. That's what I would say about that. Uh, secondly, I wouldn't want to trade stocks that are up 400%. They're out of my pay grade. They're stocks that are all about, as you say, feverish momentum, Jeff, as well. But third point, and this is what I really want to raise, is there are so many people in the market who were stunningly bearish in the early parts of this crisis, who failed to see see one basic point and that is that markets are forward looking mechanisms for sentiment for economic developments etc etc and this stunning turnaround we've seen in areas such as china as well perhaps that augurs hope but for those who have bought the market on that expectations that we can get over this first stage of the crisis. I I do think there are some people out there who have got some stunning gall about some of their calls for the S&P and these markets going forward. I saw one call come into all of our inboxes uh, overnight for an end of 2021 call uh, up to as high as 3,800. I won't name the US bank that said it up to 3,800 by the end of next year. This is the same analyst who thought we should be trading down as low as twenty. 500 uh, throughout this year as well. So you've told your, your investors to hold off. Now the market's had one of the most mighty rallies of all time. And now you're saying it's 3,800. Uh, and there are those of people out there, again, like T.S. Lombard, I will name them, who we had an interview with one of their economists earlier in the year, who told me that I was completely wrong to say that the market uh, could well be rallying on the stimulus and rallying on the hope, and that, because he said it was trading on 2021 multiples and expectations. Well, quite frankly, when equities are the only game in town, why wouldn't you? And my third and final point on this one is there are a lot of sectors which aren't trading on feverish speculation as well. I just had a quick check in on the energy sector and I think it seems beautifully poised. Real concern about demand, real concern about oversupply. The sector's down 40% from its highs.
0: Steve, let, let's not be coy. Um, this is Mr Levkovich over at uh, City, isn't it, who's um, put his cards on the table and he's basically making that 3,800 call at this point. But he just joins um, quite a, a notable community of banks. I think probably Bank of America Merrill Lynch is the only one that I've seen that suggested that we might actually have a uh-uh moment next year on vaccine delivery. Everybody else seems to be in this camp that we are going relentlessly higher and we can justify PEs in the sort of low to mid-20s for the American market. But Bank of America, at least at this point, is suggesting that once the vaccine begins to roll out, that people actually look at it and say, well, we still have to see consumers come back to the table and spend some of what they may have saved through the last 18 months or so, we still need to see central banks continuing to provide liquidity and we still need to see governments that are willing to blow out already massive
1: deficits.
2: Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway.
1: The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey.
2: CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does the Ambitiously mean to you. Here are from our CNBC anchors, reporters, and global business leaders on CNBC.com.
0: To continue to supply support to the unemployed and businesses that are impaired or troubled. I mean, the remarkable thing about this period is we've seen very little in terms of um, default spikes in the high yield market, or in any market for that matter, and yet nobody can quite believe that hasn't happened, given the state of economic activity that we're seeing around the world at the moment. So uh, there are a lot of questions to be answered still here, and whilst I absolutely agree with you about the forward-looking discounting mechanism nature of equities, right now, I think it's it's all a bit Mystic Meg, isn't it? We're we're rubbing the crystal ball as hard as we can, but It 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 still looks rather foggy inside.
1: I I, I couldn't agree with you more about all of that. And don't get me wrong, I am no blinkered advocate for the market going on. I'm just saying this is what the call was from these people and this is where we are now and this is their call going forward. Now things look a little bit better. How did that service their clients when they were saying 2,500 is, you know, 25, 2,700 is where we think the market should be right up until the middle of the year and then all of a sudden we're giving them a call of 3,800? Isn't that just chasing the game a little bit? The the real point I want to make here as well is, though, is we've changed our views long term on inflation. I mean, this spurious 2% level, this seems so far away for so many economies around the world. We've changed our view uh, on what we can have as an acceptable yield in fixed income as well. Uh, Of course, any yield appears to be an acceptable yield at the moment well. We've changed our view on what high yield stroke junk looks like. It used to be 8 to 10%. Now, if you get 4%, you'd be lucky on some of that stuff as well. So, we've changed our view on fixed income, on corporate bonds on inflation reviews, why haven't we changed our metrics on equities? Because we're still, as you just said, we're still valuing 20 times as a little bit frothy for a broader index. At uh, 13 to 15 times is where we really want to get into this market. Why do we not need to have a change of mindset? And again, I'm not advocating it. I'm just chucking the question out there in how we value equities compared to how we value those other asset classes and some of the economic parameters.
2: Just going to pick up on your comments, Jeff. I think there are uh, issues around uh, the, the sort of certainty that we get from a vaccine. I and mean, if you look at the ordering too for the UK, uh, there's been an order placed for 40 million doses. And this is the Pfizer-BioNTech one. That sounds like a lot of doses, but you've got to halve it because you've got to give people two doses. So that's 20 million in the order. When it comes to Moderna, the UK apparently has uh, secured an initial agreement for 5 million doses. Again, halve that to about 2.5 million. So if, if you tally up the amount of doses, if everyone's having two, we're at a, what, uh, 20. 22 and a half million doses, We've got a population of more than 60 million in the UK. So there's still a gap. If there's not a development around the AstraZeneca vaccine at this point, then where are the rest of the vaccines gonna come from immediately if people want to take these vaccines?
0: and i'd love to know about the distribution mechanism uh, and we're going to find more out about that i guess once we have the vaccine delivered but if this vaccine has to be kept at this incredibly low temperature what is the um what is its life uh, in terms of from manufacturing to delivery how long does it last how carefully does it have to be um uh, treated when it's travelling? Will it incur any damage through rough transit? And then ultimately, how do you deliver 20 million or 40 million shots of this thing in a concentrated period of time through current structures. Right,
2: and then you just finish it, and then what, you've got 12 or 18 months in the duration before you've got to start thinking about the next vaccine because it may wear off. So well, I think, you know, as we talk about uncertainties, there certainly are a few. Well, the vaccine will be front and center during the New York Times Dealbook Conference. Today's speakers include the SoftBank founder and CEO, masayoshi Son. Uh, Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, and Elizabeth Warren also on the ticket today. This all kicks off at 3 o'clock CET. That
0: looks like a terrific watch, doesn't doesn't it? it. (laughs) Um, Hoping for some more wisdom around some of the conversations we've been having, quite frankly. Coming up on the programme then, uh, we will spend uh, a little bit of time Talking about the ECB, the chair of the ECB's single resolution board, Elke Conig discusses the resilience of Eurozone banks. It'll be fascinating uh, given we heard Mr. Sebing complaining somewhat, I thought, about how much European banks are having to pay into that resolution mechanism. We'll hear from Annette's interview after the break.
2: Asia markets also digesting the latest vaccine news this time from Moderna around its experimental COVID vaccine, which is 94.5% effective in preventing infection, based uh, on this late-stage interim data that they've got. Uh, markets across Asia. Are positive mostly uh, from Japan to Australia. Those markets are bouncing. And Hong Kong, you can see, struggling to hold on to some of that green at this point. China stocks, though, are reversing. It has been a fairly heady week on the trade front as uh, the market's been wading through the RCEP news, this uh, big trade agreement between the Asian Pacific countries that's been inked over the weekend. So uh, some of the enthusiasm just fading on some of these markets. Also, don't forget China was trading on the back of uh, fairly decent data in the past 24 hours. So market to this point, just a little bit mixed across the region. The opening calls in Europe. Let's see how we perch for the trading session. We're also in the red yesterday. Very strong session playing out. one2 2% 2% bounce on the stock share of 600. We had stronger gains in some of these individual markets. Italy, incredibly strong on the periphery. 2% bounce, 1.7% on the French market as well. And French stocks have been the one to watch on the back of these developments around vaccines. Very much in play for investors at this point. But as you can see, in lockstep across the board, we are looking for a little bit of a give back at the start of this session today. Jeff,
0: Karen, you remember, uh, way back in July... The EU agreed this 1.8 trillion um, injection into uh, economies around Europe, suffering from the pandemic. 1.8 trillion, 1.82 trillion uh, for the budget and the coronavirus uh, uh, recovery fund. Yesterday, I I was gripped just watching the negotiations that were going on here. Effectively, Poland and Hungary stepped in and blocked the whole agreement here so this hour we have some flashes coming through from the polish government a government spokesman says we expect the eu to offer new proposals after warsaw and budapest vetoed the eu budget so we're waiting to see whether there will be some breakthrough here because obviously there are a lot of countries that have been managing this crisis who have been hoping to get some support from this budget plan. Let me just backfill. So Hungary and Poland then blocked the next EU budget. That's to run for seven years. They objected to a law that ties access to funds with adherence to the bloc's rule of law. The 2021 to 2027 budget worth 1.8 trillion euros. It includes that 750 billion euro recovery package. It's received the support of all other members, uh, the governments in Budapest and Warsaw, currently being investigated for undermining independence in the courts, the media and NGOs. France's European affairs minister weighed in very quickly after the veto and said it will alter the EU's course adding a solution will have to be found soon.
2: Yeah, incredible. This is one of the issues that was initially flagged up, that uh, the fight over the democratic principles in some of these countries might be an issue. Mm. But I think when we were talking about it, initially, we were in the, the thick of it, we are in the weeds of the crisis and everyone was so concerned about how you get out of it. There was a general feeling that all of the, the European countries would just come together and solve the issues and move forward with this budget and a recovery fund. But now as we have vaccine news within sight, same old issues start to percolate again in Europe.
0: Uh, and this is, you know, just to... Uh, Brexit. I hate to bring up Brexit, but just to tie this back to Brexit at the moment for a moment. In the same way that there was no mechanism built into the original agreements for a country to leave the EU, the structure of the EU as it exists at the moment makes it incredibly difficult for other countries to prevent Poland and Hungary from doing this. And ultimately if they want to eject poland or hungary they would have to have a vote where poland and hungary voted themselves to be ejected and that is the nature of the structure which obviously Means it is very challenging for the other countries who are asking for these funds to get them while Poland and Hungary decide they'll stand in the middle.
2: Can I just point to the market action? Quite detrimental. If you think about one of the, the key themes that investors had very early on was that you actually had some form of coordinated policy in Europe and very swift response. That was hailed and some of the political risk was taken out of these European markets. And I think if you look at the market rallying, the vaccine news, there's been a lot of tick tick on the boxes that Europe has delivered at this point. What we're talking about in this uh, major development could have potential consequences for the stock market as a result steve
1: I just go on to say that this is something that's been bubbling for absolutely years. And we've heard the likes of Waldis Dombrovskis from the Commission uh, having grave concerns about the rule of law uh, and democracy and freedoms in the Visegrad countries, which have come in with a different interpretation of what democracy looks like as well. So we've seen Orbán slide into some form of more authoritarian type of rule as well. Hungary being the key case here. There are very big issues in Poland as well. But I think this is a great tension within the EU, which they are racking their brains about. And I don't think they know how to get out of this one as well, because Orban, not only uh, has he been taking away some of these um, democratic freedoms uh, and entrenching himself uh, in his position, but of course, he's also uh, been a lot friendlier to the likes of uh, President Putin than mainstream commission, mainstream Europe would like to see as well. So this is an enormous tension, which I don't know if it has any ramifications for Brexit whatsoever, but it is another enormous headache uh, for the European. Union. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
2: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cupmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.